This week's person was celebrated for his imagination and technical achievements, but was quickly forgotten after his career winded down. Nonetheless, his legacy survives in the techniques that he brought to a fledgling medium. He was Władysław Stadowicz, the idiosyncratic animation pioneer. Welcome to Persona, stories of fascinating people. When we talk about pioneers, there's a tendency to exaggerate the accomplishments of the person whom we discuss at that particular moment. A collaborator becomes a creator. An early adopter becomes an inventor. An advocate becomes a savior. History storytelling is boring if we tell the whole story in full context, so we leave out the margins in order to streamline the narrative and make it fit the classical structure of stories. Accuracy and nuance are sacrificed in the interests of keeping the story interesting. It's why we never talk about the fact that there were dozens of companies making light bulbs before Edison started, because Swan and the others aren't the story, nor do we talk about all the little advancements along the way that made the light bulb possible, like the creation of a vacuum inside glass. Because those innovations didn't change the world. Light bulbs did. We don't talk about how there were touchscreen phones before the iPhone, even though many existed, because none of them caught on beyond a few tech enthusiasts. The iPhone kicked off the smartphone revolution, changing the way people consume media, increasing availability of the internet, and increasing the availability of uh, podcasts, of course. I'm building to a point, I promise. Technological progress is incremental, but the way that technology changes society or a medium tends to be sudden. It's often spurred by a single imaginative individual. They take the work of their peers and use it to make something consumable by the masses. As a consequence, the masses, always unfairly, laud them as the innovator, when in fact they were just part of a larger movement. Why are we starting this episode about an animation pioneer with this tangential foray into the nature of credit? Because the man who we are discussing today didn't really invent anything. He didn't create stop-motion animation or the puppets or the techniques he used to create his works, but he used those techniques that were very new at the time to tell his stories and brought that art form closer to the mainstream. And he did it in a pretty inventive way. Władysław Stadowicz was born in Moscow to Polish parents. Most of his school years were spent in the Baltic, like Estonia and Lithuania, both of which were under the yoke of the Russian Empire at the time. This was, of course, before the revolution and all that fun stuff. After graduating, he took a job as the director of the Konis Natural History Museum, and he settled into the life of a mid-level academic. But there was always a creative itch that wasn't scratched by his administrative work. He wanted to educate in novel ways. He thought the museum wasn't the only way that people could learn about the fascinating world around us. He wanted to connect with audiences who, perhaps, didn't think they would be interested in the stuffy stuff in the museum. By 1911, he'd made four educational live-action documentaries, most of them about nature and life in and around Konus. Stadovich began working on his fifth and quickly ran into a problem, a lack of cooperation from the participants. Many documentary makers run into similar problems. Either the subjects fear the vulnerability of telling their story, or or they distrust the filmmaker to accurately or favorably convey the information, or they simply don't see the point in participating. 
In this case, none of those factors were a factor, because the subjects were stag beetles. While Stadovich had hoped to educate people on the behaviors of insects, they proved to be quite difficult to work with. He wanted to show how stag beetles would fight one another, but they simply wouldn't do it, and under the hot lights of the studio, they were prone to dying in the middle of filming, which is very unprofessional. Where some would have seen nature drawing a red line in the production, Stadovich saw a creative opportunity in the abundant beetle carcasses. He and his crew removed their legs and replaced them with more pliable wires. Then he and his crew painstakingly recreated a fight between two stag beetles using stop-motion animation. So this was a pioneering feat in two respects. One of the first stop-motion films ever made, and one of the first to portray the behavior of insects on screen, albeit with a little creative license. It's hard to say just how popular the film was. I haven't managed to find much information on that. But Stadovich detected an opportunity and began working on more stop-motion projects. Stadovich wasn't done innovating. Instead, we could say his film career was still in a pupil stage, pun intended. The next phase was to advance the medium from, shall we say, creative nonfiction to narrative fiction. The first such project was called The Cameraman's Revenge, and... My word, is it strange. Continuing with his previous proclivity for insect actors, Stadovich this time used them to play characters in a human-like story. It involves a beetle who steps out on his significant other with a butterfly, and a jealous grasshopper who films their flirtations to avenge himself. To watch this short film is to look back at a very different time. A time when using dead animals as props wasn't considered edgy or childish, it was just something that some guy in Russia was doing. Remember, P.T. Barnum's freak show was still going on. There was a high bar for bad taste. But personally, I can't help but enjoy watching this. It's sort of morbid seeing all these dead bugs be reanimated via stop-motion animation, rather convincingly playing these odd and troubled characters. There's one sequence that catches my eye in particular, where one of the bugs is painting. It's actually rather fluid and convincing, and to me, impressive. I suppose my main complaint with the film is that it's a little slow. I watched it on YouTube, and even at 1.5 speed, it felt like it dragged. Anyway, after a while, Starovich decided to branch out from things that were once alive to things that should never have been invented. Puppets! Animated puppets are terrifying to most humans, and I am no exception. So, I have not fully watched any of his puppet films, but I'll admit that I'm impressed by what I've seen. Unnerved, but impressed. These new puppets were partially a consequence of an increased budget. Revolution had come to Russia, and Starovich decided that he didn't want to hang around for that. He ended up in France, where his fame preceded him, and he found himself able to continue his previous work. A Tale of a Fox was probably his most famous puppet animation. You can find it on YouTube, and it's, um, it's fine. <laughs> Sterovich continued working into his old age, innovating along the way. Two innovations that come to mind were use of motion blur to simulate speed, and also he found novel ways of integrating live actors into animation. He also remained dedicated to his original mission of education. As his films became more mainstream, he kept including lessons. His later films focused on more moral lessons than scientific ones. 
like animals are not to be played with like toys, which is kind of funny coming from pipe cleaner legs man, but hey, they presumably died of natural causes, like heat lamps. So why was Stadovich forgotten? Well, can you name any directors from the 1920s? I mean, there's the racist birth of a nation guy. I can't name him off the top of my head, but most film buffs can. The fact is that the idea of the celebrity director wasn't really around when Stadovich was working. Sure, there were a few, but generally the audience didn't care who was behind the camera. The performers were more interesting than the creators. Considering that only a few of his films had um, living performers, there wasn't a lot to latch onto for the audience. Stop motion is still a pretty niche medium. Generally, it's considered a little childish and not very complex. And I don't know about you, but I tend to get exhausted when I watch them because I just think of all the work that goes into each movement. It's hard for me to separate that. Yes, it's the same with traditional animation, but I don't think about that for some reason. Maybe it's because I've watched more behind-the-scenes documentaries for stop-motion. I don't know. Anyway, Stadovich's contributions to the medium deserve some recognition, and he does get some recognition. In his adopted home of Conus, there's a statue dedicated to him of a couple of grasshoppers and top hats and an ant that you can pretend to be attacked by. And he is generally referred to as one of the pioneers of stop-motion animation, for good reason. Władysław Stadovich stands as an educator who became an entertainer, and went on to educate a generation of filmmakers in a unique medium. Thank you for listening to Persona Podcast. We're back, and hopefully here to stay. If you enjoyed this, please share it however you uh, do that kind of thing. And uh, thank you very much. Goodbye.